readily, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Tuesday, July 7th, 2020, and it is time, donks, for Morning Combat. Hi, everyone. Top of the morning to you. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm one half of your host and duo. The gentleman on the other side of the screen, you know this guy from CBS Sports. He's the conspiracy to my theory, the one and only Brian Campbell. Hi, Brian. Long time no see guy. Yeah, yeah. A little, little bit of a Tuesday special here, but it will be worth it because, Luke, we have a lot to celebrate today on MK, not just the nation's birthday. We're still hold, we're still a country, right? We're still holding together during these uncertain times. But beyond that, Luke, a couple other MK-related anniversaries we're here to celebrate, my friend. Certainly are. A couple of uh, things here we should say, actually, to start the show. Um, number one, thanks to everyone who is joining us right now. And thanks to everyone who has been along this journey. Morning Combat got started July 8, uh, 2019. So as of tomorrow, this is uh, one year in the making. This is basically our one-year anniversary show, Brian. It has been <laughs> one hell of a year. If I thought, you know, if you had told me a year from the last, uh, the first time we did it, rather, that we'd be in our living rooms or, you know, offices or whatever, your basement, talking to each other because there's a disease running amok through the world, I would have told you that sounds a little far-fetched. And yet here we are. Uh, I am so honored to be a year into this project. Whenever you do these things, you know how it goes, man. You just never know what's going to exactly. happen and blah, blah, blah. For us to be here in the way that we are, I got to tell you, I, I'm, a, I'm a lot more than pleased. I'm, I'm grateful. I mean, look how this whole show came together, right? It's something unpredictable. But in the end, you know, it feels right, Luke. And I, and I hope you've had the time of your life. I certainly have. I mean, I don't usually day drink. But when I do, I do it out of this morning combat uh, glass right here. So I hope many of you people are doing the same out there. And, Luke, it's not just one year from where we started, right? Started in the bomb shelter. Now we're here. It's episode 50 this week, so like you mentioned, you never quite know. Is it going to catch on? Will people embrace it? Uh, people already know that if you want to be our lovers, you got to get with our friends, and we've had a lot of help from our friends here, Luke. Not just you and I, the great folks at Malka, Jay in our ear hole, Showtime promoting and producing us, uh, the great Chuck Mendenhall filling in, Aljamain Sterling as part of our extended brotherhood, and the wild cast of characters that help make that ish so good, the Ronnie Deutsches of the world, the CTE societies, hoagie farts, on and on. Web Scream, our guy. I think you know where I'm going here, Luke. Yeah, we've got a little cast of characters who have made the show. The, the, I mean, you know, you and I host the show, but we're not the only ones who make the show, right? There's so many other people involved from the viewers and everybody else. And we've got a lot more growing to do. We've got a lot more coverage to bring you. The first year was an interesting one filled with some, to, to call it unpredictable, I think would be the understatement of the century, BC. But we're here. We're standing strong. And we plan on continuing to push in. Like the UFC, BC, we got a lot of things in our way. But the train stays on the tracks, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, meet Virginia. You know, speaking of train, I can't wait, too. And I want to say this, Luke, that... Uh, uh, I'm proud of what we built, but you just touched on it real quick. Like it's going, it's taking off, right? We're at we're at the space, we're at Port Canaveral right now, okay, or whatever the heck it's Cape Canaveral. I mean this this thing, <laughs> this this thing's about to about to launch. So uh, year two, Luke, 
It's going to be absolutely insane. I'm fired up. I'm ready. And uh, people can probably subscribe to Showtime for free if they want to join the direction that we're going, right? Yeah, that's right. So if you would like to try Showtime, the good folks that make this possible, very simple. Go to Showtime.com right now. You can get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. It should be noted, you saw the ad run there for Outcry, the five-part episode series. Now, it's going to air every Sunday. I think episode one was last Sunday. Two will be the following and so on. But if you want, you can just go and binge it on the app. So we binged it on the app. BC, oh my God, that show is in, you know, yes, I'm biased, but take the Pepsi challenge. See for yourself. You can try it for free. Have you watched it, BC? It is absolutely incredible. I, I've, I've tickled the ivories. I've circled the rim a little bit. I'm, I'm ready to go for it all, okay? I'm ready to get all of it. So uh, very excited about that. A lot of other good stuff on Showtime as well. If you join us where we're headed and to celebrate this week, Luke, 50th episode, one-year anniversary, my gift to the people, big gift to people, as Triple G would say, is the largest, the greatest, the most incredible collection of shit that you have possibly ever seen, okay? Shout out to our guy Gaffney for assembling the shit, putting it in line, getting it in order. It's going to get wild up in here later in the show, so buckle up. And always, Luke, uh, I want to pour one out for our Showtime brethren, Brendan Schaub, getting through his uh, his COVID challenge here three you know three days in. Hopefully he'll bounce yes. back and be on that bicycle, okay? I Thank texted you. him. I think he's okay. I think he's okay. Uh, last but not least, of course, give the video a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel. Always appreciate that when you do, and there is no other show in combat sports that's even close to being like this. So send this to somebody who you think might need and maybe even profit from seeing something like it. Send it around, share this bad boy, and to everyone who has done that, been part of this army, we really appreciate you. Okay? All right, with that in mind, BC, I know you got a lot of stuff, of, a lot rather, a lot of shit to show me. But before that, BC, we got some news we got to get to. Let's kick this uh, party off. All right, topic number one, BC. UFC 251 is this Saturday. We thought it was going to be headlined by Kamar Usman taking on Gilbert Burns. But no, BC, it would not be. Gilbert Burns, unfortunately, tested positive for COVID-19. He is out. Gamebred is in. Jorge Masvidal will now be the uh, opponent for Kamaru Usman. To me, this is a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say, BC. This is a game changer for UFC, right? So let me put the question to you. That's my opinion, but I want you to go first. How much does the addition of Jorge Masvidal to this card change things for UFC 251? Uh, I don't think it's preposterous to say it's twice as big of a card right now in terms of the metrics that UFC would want, the casual fans' interest. I've seen so many boxing fans, for example, who maybe only follow the McGregors, the Rouseys when it comes to the big-name UFC people going, yep, uh, Masvidal in the main event, I'm going to buy that. Look, this was an incredible uh, hat pulling the pulling the rabbit out of the hat, hat trick, whatever you want to call it for Dana White and company. I just recently, Luke, have named Dana White my quarantine MVP, and I think that I was prophetic early on. He was a pariah in the beginning in some ways, but he did evolve over four months into nothing short of Robin Hood because this is the International Fight Week weekend for UFC. This is the time that they have their annual Super Bowl card, puff things up, put three title fights on there. We've certainly seen that before. But to have a card that's already badass, to do it during such uncertain times where pro sports are having such a hard time getting out of the gate... And to upgrade it this dramatically on six days' notice to, I think for the first time at this level, Luke, the replacement fight 
is actually considerably better. And that's no disrespect to Gilbert Burns, who would have put up a hell of a fight with Usman. I still want to kind of know how that would have looked. But just from the pomp, the circumstance, the storylines, the feel, the juice, right? Inject me right here. This fight card is the fight is being headlined by the fight that was supposed to happen, storyline-wise. We need to find out if this 35-year-old rising star who's having almost a gangster Cinderella run here is championship material, right? Is he just BMF backyard? Hey, you had a nice 2019. Or is he the real deal? We're going to find that out on Saturday. So... Empty arenas be damned, UFC fighter pay issues be damned. I don't know if there was a bunch of money under the sand over there in the UAE that they found to be able to pay this. I don't care. We are getting a fantastic card on Saturday, Luke, and you can almost have the rest of that card. Give me Usman Masvidal. That's how big this feels when you ask me, you know, what does this mean? How big of an upgrade is this? This is from, you know, the, the, the basement to the penthouse, and I'm fired up possible to overstate how big this is jorge masvidal is one of the company's biggest stars i don't mean just on ufc 251 i mean of any card at fight island in the month of july no one is even orbiting in the star power that jorge masvidal has he is clearly the biggest star on this card clearly the biggest star competing in abu dhabi the month of july Honestly, one of the biggest stars that's going to compete this year if McGregor is going to continue to sit out, and so is John Jones. I know they competed in January and February, but going forward, if they continue to sit out, you could say this is the year of Jorge Masvidal, depending on how things go. It's really impossible to overstate how much this will change the fortunes of them on pay-per-view, and if they don't have a gate... Here comes Jorge Masvidal to the rescue. Now, he said he didn't get exactly what he wanted, because remember, this was supposed to be his fight a long time ago, then it wasn't, then he became Burns, and then it circled back to him when Burns, uh, unfortunately, got sick with COVID. Nevertheless, it's important to sort of take a lesson here. What can, we, what can we infer from how Jorge Masvidal handled himself? Well, the thing is this. He took a really big risk, and it paid off because the UFC hit a bump in the road where they really needed him, and he was able to fill in on short notice. Is that something they're going to be able to do with John Jones? Is that something they're going to be able to do with Conor McGregor? I'm a little less willing to believe that, only because, remember, Jorge Masvidal may have stopped training about a month before the fight eventually went to Gilbert Burns, but he was training for a wrestler. He brought in Bo Nickel, the Penn State standout, to help him get ready for this. Of course, things kind of fell out a little bit late, and now he has to scramble at the last minute. But he was anticipating for a long time a fight with Kamaru Usman, and he was sort of kind of ready. Plus, the UFC hit this road bump where, hello, one of their, their main event fighters all of a sudden at the last second can't compete due to this strange kind of illness that they have. So he was ready in a pinch. I don't know how much that's going to affect the fortunes of these other A-list fighters who are sitting out who also want raises, but it clearly worked out for him. So it was a gamble and a risky one, but it appears to have paid off. He said he didn't get exactly what he wanted. He got pretty close. So it changes the fortunes of UFC 251. It's a big boost, obviously, in the career uh, of Jorge Masvidal in terms of the money he wanted. The only thing I'm a little bit skeptical about is that this is, forget all the pomp and circumstance as you indicated, BC, I'm not entirely convinced that this is a better fight than the one we would have gotten with Gilbert Burns. Now, we won't know the answer to that unless Kumaru wins. And I'm assuming that Gilbert Burns is going to be your number one contender. So let's see how that would go if, in fact, things go that way. But because Gilbert Burns is a good wrestler and a phenomenal submission grappler, I kind of thought that fight would be a little bit more on the feet. The thing about Jorge Masvidal is dude, he is one of the best pure boxers 
in all of MMA, forget just the UFC's welterweight division, if Kamaru Usman stands with this guy for too long, I, I don't like his chances. So I just have to imagine there's going to be a lot more of clinching, wrestling, pressing him up against the fence, kind of trying and taking him out of that. Now, we know, BC, Jorge Masvidal is good everywhere. I'm not... I'm not really ready to believe that this makes the actual fight better. I just think it makes everything around it a lot different. What, what's your sense about the fight? Look, I think if you, if you know the game and you just look at, on paper, the knee-jerk reaction is to do what you just said, which is Gilbert Burns is more well-rounded, so in theory, this is a little bit easier no, the, of a fight. The argument, whoa, 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 the argument is not that... Hold on, hold on I'll, I'll give it right back to you. The argument is not that Gilbert Burns is more well-rounded. Jorge Masvidal might be the most well-rounded fighter in the UFC. The argument is that while they're both well-rounded, they have slightly different concentrations, and I think Jorge is much more dangerous on the feet Gilbert much more dangerous on the ground. How does that change the equation a little bit? Well, I, look, I don't, I don't think if you're going on just pure strategy and X's and O's alone, it's necessarily incorrect to say what I just did. Gilbert Burns might be more well-rounded, right? We can flip a coin, whatever. So is it a little bit easier of a preparation for Jorge? Maybe, right? And if you look at their differences, oh, if he can ragdoll Tyron Woodley that easily for five rounds, well, this has potential to be a really bad trap fight for Jorge, right? But I don't think this is one of those situations, Luke, where the natural sort of way of things are going will play in because nothing about this situation is precedented, right? It's not just we're flying to Abu Dhabi, we're fighting at 6 in the morning, we're taking this fight on six days' notice, we're in the midst of a quarantine. There are so many things right now that typically would be an issue for people. And, maybe, and a lot of times you say, how the hell is Masvidal going to cut the 20 pounds and get in that level of shape? He Here's the deal. He's one of those rare dudes that sort of thrives in the chaos. He's unflappable. He's used to the chaos. He's used to this kind of craziness where not only is he on such a momentum run from last year, but he just outwitted the UFC, right? He just made a public stand and ended up winning in the end. They came to him. He has all the house money right now that even though Usman is your rightful betting favorite, even though if you're going to bet with just your brain, you should pick him to win, I got bad feelings here for the champion in a lot of ways. And, Luke, if I can pinpoint the one real reason, outside of just, you know, Masvidal's really damn good, right? He reinvented himself. If you go back and watch those three fights last year, he's so explosive in different parts of the game, in close, different, you know, good angles. He's got a lot of good stuff going on there. I think Usman is a little bit too in love with fighting back the critics, right? Like... This upgrade in opponent gives him a chance to potentially be a star if he goes in there and, and dramatically beats Jorge Masvidal. I mean, Usman could become everything that he thinks he is and wants to be. But, Luke, I don't know if you've interviewed him in the last six months or, or, or specifically after the Covington fight. He takes a lot of issue, this is Usman, when people think he's one-dimensional, when people don't think his striking is on the level of his ground game. He'll cut you off in the interview. I've seen multiple times where he's sort of been like, whoa, hold on. Did you watch the Covington fight? And what I want to say to that is, going five rounds, life or death boxing with Colby, I mean, it was entertainment. It was a blood and guts performance. He won the fight. He stopped him. But this ain't Colby. And I got a fear for Usman, Luke, that when you add in all the chaos, which I don't think will actually be an issue for Jorge, this is becoming a harder night at the office, potentially, for Usman. And I think he's got too big of a chip on his shoulder to want to go in there and prove to a lot of people and to take this opportunity and cash it in for its full value. If he blanks Jorge for five rounds and wins, okay, it's a great win in front of a lot of eyes, but people don't value that on the casual commercial level. The way to do it is to finish a man. 
And Luke, I got news for you. You already know this answer. This is the this is the one way he can lose this fight. Mano y mano against Jorge. And Masvidal's a live dog because he's a firecracker. But I think the politics, all the things that are playing into this fight, the subconscious is gonna is gonna end up uh, hurting Usman. I actually believe, as wild as this is, at 35, 17 years in the game, that Jorge Masvidal has a very good chance of exiting the fight on Saturday as your UFC welterweight champion, and maybe even calling out Connor. I mean. Fortunes can flip quickly in UFC, Luke, but this weekend has potential from a, you know, like I said, commercial standpoint to, to be an absolute blockbuster. Yeah, very quickly, because we got to get to these other pieces, but you're right. First of all, I've not talked to Kamaru since the Colby fight. His management won't let me talk to him or any of his other fighters that he signs. But in terms of uh, Jorge, if he wins here, I think it sets up a Conor McGregor fight. I mean, we don't know what Conor McGregor wants, but that would you would imagine at that point he would have the welterweight title and the BMF title. I mean, if that doesn't bring Conor back to the negotiating table, I'm, I'm at a loss to know what would. So that would be huge. On the other hand, if Kamaru wins, I think it would be a major boost to his star power. You're right. How he does it would make a bit of an impact because... You know, do people really want the five-round kind of lay on you main event? Maybe, maybe not. It certainly hasn't shown itself to be the best star-making performance kind of uh, a prototype in the world. The last thing I'd say here, because we've got to move on to point two, BC, I think you would agree. Uh, Mike Bond tweeted this. This will be the 49th professional contest for Jorge Masvidal, which means he will be the most senior fighter in terms of the number of fights to get a UFC title shot in history. No one has ever gotten it this late. Most guys who are wow. really, really good, who can ascend to the title picture, tend to get it, you know, sort of the mid-stage, either early, mid, or late mid portion of their career. He got it really kind of late, 35 years old. But as you indicated, he's got this reformation going on from his mindset, from his skill set. We're going to see what the full reality of that reformation is, where the buck stops. Does it stop with Kamar Usman or maybe not? I have to tell you, though, if he wins that title, I don't think it puts him in the Hall of Fame. It's not good enough for that. But that would be one of the most stunning late career, what do you want to call it, blossomings that we've ever seen. Michael Bisping had one like that where the last real chapter was maybe his best. And I thought I mean, that was, was fairly rare. Uh, uh, but the difference in Bisping is he was already considered an elite fighter. He was just ultimately a bridesmaid. This is a guy who... As early as recently as 2017 was like a journeyman, Luke. I mean, 2018. I think that's. I think that's. I think it's a little overstated. Plus, he was competing in tougher divisions, 155 and 170. But to your point, Bisping last second gets the UFC 199 title shot. Boom! Fortunes change overnight. Here comes Masvidal, last minute, six day title shot. What's he going to do with it? We'll see. But if he wins, it's going to change everything about his career. And he's already changed a lot, BC. Any final we've thoughts? Because we've got to move on. We've seen a couple of rags to riches stories in boxing, like a Glenn Johnson, a, a Carlos Baldemir, but none of them had the star power overnight that, that Jorge has right here. So this is, this is kind of unprecedented, Luke, in combat sports to see this type of career arc. And uh, it's hard not to cheer for him, straight up. It's hard not to cheer for him. Uh, business would be booming if this happens on Saturday. Let's go to point two if we can. A gentleman who's got his back up against the wall lost his title, by the way, in the co-main event when he fought Alexander Volkanovsky the last time Kumar Usman was headlining a card at UFC 245. Max Holloway takes on Alexander Volkanovsky for the second time, and he did an interview recently, BC, with Ariel Hawani on ESPN, and what he said was, listen, the quarantine in Hawaii was no joke. If they found you in the gym, they would arrest you. He didn't spar for this fight. 
He trained, obviously, but he hadn't seen his coaches. The first time he saw his coaches was when he went to the airport to leave to go to Abu Dhabi. He trained over Zoom. BC, I have to ask you, should he have taken this fight? Uh, again, he's one of those guys, right? I mentioned Masvidal uh, thrives in chaos. I'm done betting against Max Holloway, Luke. I'm done. I've done it so many times. I actually talked to him yesterday for an interview that'll run on the CBS Sports Data Combat podcast this week. And uh, spoiler alert, here's the interview. Here's his answers. It is what it is. 11th Island, baby. Uh, a magician never tells his tricks. I'm a fighter at my heart. It is what it is. Oh, and an 11th Island shout-out as well. So this is an incredible poker face because he told me the same things. Look, I trained over Zoom. I didn't spar, blah, blah, blah. But he also very subtly, and I'm sure there's jet lag and a lot of that going into it, was just like, look, man, I could lose five times in a row to Volkanovski. My legacy is set. I have no pressure. And, Luke, I think to a large degree, while we know that's his default personality, so I'm less inclined to worry about him, I think he's also, you know, playing poker with us. I think he's also coming in here like, yeah, whatever, man, no pressure. And I also think he's going to take back his championship, Luke, because if there was ever a time to count him out, it was that crazy year. What was it, 2018 when he had to pull out of two straight fights and the weight issues and that random Michael Bisping interview that we thought, like, does he have, you know, early onset problems? Does he need to get out of this sport? What the hell's going on? But what did he do after that, Luke? He went into war with Ortega and came out shining. Every time I think, like, Maybe the damage is caught up to him early. All this other stuff. Look, he just kicks that door down and shows you he is an all-time great. You're watching a guy author an all-time great resume. Is there more pressure on him right now to keep that going in that direction? Yes. You don't want... Look, historically, boxing and MMA at the highest levels, you lose twice in a row to the same guy on the title level. You tend to not be the same in, to some degree after that. But, Luke, that first fight was not Max. Volkanovski put out an incredible game plan. He disarmed him. Yet, Max rallied in the final two rounds and made it pretty damn close. I just don't know, Luke. I love Volkanovski. I love city kickboxing. I love what you do for me here, sir. But at the end of the day, can you do that twice to a fighter as great as Max Holloway? Because I went back and rewatched that first one. Remember what he said in the post-fight interview? He said, look, guys, I I I'm 28. I'm young. I'm still learning. You know, like, I'm going to be back. And I, I tend to believe that, Luke. He's got the length. He's got the uh, ability to both lead off the combinations and finish them with big blows. You know, he got confused. He got he got outworked. He got outsolved in the first three rounds of their first fight against a great fighter. But show me you can do that twice. Show me you can do that for 10 rounds. I don't know, dude. I'm telling you right now, there are rare species in this game. Masvidal's one of them. Holloway's another one. They're just fighters, Luke. It doesn't matter. You, you, they could fight on the plane on the way over, okay? It doesn't matter. They're going to be there at the end of the day. Don't be surprised if that belt's going back to Hawaii, Luke. I'm telling you right now, okay? Well, tell your I, friends. I, tell, I your will, tell your abuelo, okay? Please. I, I will be surprised if the belt is on the way back to Hawaii, and it's not because I disagree necessarily with your assessment of who Max Holloway is here and how smart he is up here. I think all those things are true. I've spent more time examining the X's and O's of Max Holloway's career than I have any other fighter because I have that much of a high regard for it. He is special in all the ways that you say he is special. But the initial question I asked you was, should he have taken this fight? No, he should not have taken this fight. I think this was a, a mistake for him, to be quite honest with you. Now, does that mean he can't You're win? Hold, hold You're falling for it, Luke. You're falling for it. Hold on. Does that mean he can't win? Of course not. If you're as talented as Max Holloway, you can. The question is, is this the right strategic play? 
I do not think it is the right strategic play. It is a nice thing to say, you know, Ninth Island or 11th Island or whatever number island we are on at this point, and it is what it is. And again, those are the reasons that we love Max. And he is, and I've said he's the tr the first true ambidextrous fighter in UFC because he is, I would argue, some might disagree, but I would argue he's basically as good in either stance. It just is he can function however he needs to depending on the particular puzzle that he's trying to solve. He can circle in either direction. Folks may not realize this, but he did opposite circling against Jose Aldo. First time he circled into his power hand, I think. Second time he went the other way. It totally confused the guy. I mean, it was amazing how he took that title and then demanded respect in the welterweight excuse me the featherweight division but we keep talking about how much we like max without saying the i think what's, what needs to be said here we don't like alexander volkanovsky enough i do not think people are in touch with how talented he is i do not think people understand how good his game is i do not think that he gets enough appreciation he is easily the most underappreciated fan excuse me uh, champion in the UFC by both media and fans. They're just as guilty. Let me say something about this. In terms of his camouflage that he puts on what he does to confuse and conceal his striking, he's, he's arguably the best in the UFC. He is in that, on that level, he is on par with Adesanya, if not a little bit better. Okay. Now that doesn't mean he's the hardest hitter. That doesn't mean that uh, the totality of all the things he can do in striking are as well-rounded. But in terms of that cover, concealment, and camouflage, he's your apex predator. And the reason why he beat Max the first time is because Max stood there for about 23, 24 minutes and just didn't know what he was looking at. They could not get a beat on the guy, and he routinely landed on him. People keep saying, oh, it was the leg kicks. It is not the leg kicks. The leg kicks is merely a manifestation of all the confusion that he sowed in all of those little moments. Dude, no one has been able to even get close to figuring this guy out. They keep talking about that southpaw stance. All that did was take away the cover hand on the right side of Volkanovski. He still did pretty well no matter what. That is what well, he is up against. And here's my point. Respect, hold on, here's Luke. my point. Hold on, hold on. No, I want to ask I'm, you. A I'm not. I'm not. I'm hosting. I'm not. I'm not immune to the idea that Max can't figure that out. But it's only been six months. He didn't get to spar, and he had to train with his coaches on Zoom. Max can beat Volkanovski. I, I think it's a strategic mistake to do it, BC, under these circumstances. Well, I will counter that just once by saying it's a it's a it's a bad situation for everybody. Like life is turned upside down here. I know there's less cases in New Zealand and Australia if you spar more. I also think Max, by the way, is playing poker with us. But let me ask you this, Luke: Do you agree that Max did make an adjustment in in four and five enough in that first fight to not only win those last two rounds pretty clearly, but show you that? Again, we don't do six and seven round fights, but had that been the case, he may have been able to turn that around. No, I thought he won one of the two. I thought he won. I can't remember if it was the fourth or the fifth. I'd have to go back and look. I did think he took one of those two, but I also had a long conversation with the folks in um, uh, Volkanovsky's corner and what they saw. And then when I when I sort of interpreted what they saw and I rewatched it, it that that fight is not as close as people think that it is. It's just not. It's not. It wasn't that Max took some tremendous beating. Of course not. That, that is not the reality, no. But the question is, did he get a beat on what Alex was doing? Very little. Very little. And I don't think folks understand 
just how advanced Volkanovsky is because we love Max so much because, to your point, he has been so good. He's an ambassador for the game. Just before the show, BC, he announced that he was going to be auctioning off his fight kit afterwards because he was so humbled and impressed by Nurmagomedov, by Dustin Poirier. Dude, that's why we like Max Holloway because he can fight his ass off. He obeyed COVID protocols when so many people wouldn't. And he's, he's just a good guy in the game. There's just not that many. And we, we, we love him for that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But listen, look at what Billy Joe Saunders said this week. We talk about boxing all the time. Now, he was partly complaining about money, BC. But what was his other complaint? He's like, dude, I can't train properly for this fight. I'm not going to take on Canelo. And he walked away from a Canelo fight. You can say whatever you want about how smart it is or not. But the reality is, dude... He's not going to go fight Canelo on some improper camp. I understand that. I completely understand that. Don't you? I do. I do. I just, uh, again, if I'm going to believe partially that Max is playing poker, then I'm going to believe he's watching an insane amount of video from that first fight. And if I'm going to believe, Luke, which I do, that Max did make an adjustment there in the championship rounds to make that a close fight. I don't think he won. I had a 3-2 firmly for Volkanovski from cage side. But I think that he figured out the voodoo that he do in their early part of the fight. And now I ask you this, Luke. If Max, if we're going to believe that Max will, will have a better performance in the second fight than the first, if you believe that coming in, that he can see what he did wrong, see how he was disarmed, see how he can learn how to get off first. Because Max is, is a master, really, of two things, right? Controlling distance and making you fight his fight, dictating the terms of it. Volkanovski was really one of the first guys that took that away from him. It wasn't like Volkanovski was just the heavier counterpuncher and he made him change his game. Volkanovski took the fight away from him, Luke. Can he do that for 10 rounds, A, and B, maybe more important, does Volkanovski have a plan B where he can trade with Max if he needs to on even terms? Not on hunt and peck, not on, you know, uh, you got to play my chess game and I'm going to come from, you know, awkward foot angles and movements. Let's say Max does not have the same issues with the footwork, the timing, the angles that he did the first time, and this becomes more of a fight, Luke. I don't know how you can favor Volkanovski in the rematch. If it becomes that, I think it's anybody's fight at that point. I wouldn't under I wouldn't uh, count Volkanovski out, but I would agree that would be a very different fight at that point. Uh, the only thing I will say is, that I think is probably good for Holloway is you, to your point. I mean, he's taken a lot of damage recently, probably both in camp and then in those fights. I don't think it's ideal that he had no sparring, if that's in fact the reality. But what I can say is it probably is good he gave his body a break. I think that has got to be true no matter what you think. So it's not, I think, a net positive, but I think that part is going to make him a little bit fresher for this contest, a little bit more dialed in. He's not going to walk in there all banged up and bruised. But I think this is just the thing we have to wrap our head around. If Max loses, dude, I don't know where he goes from here, right? If he wins, okay, all of this, forget. I'm wrong. I'll eat crow. I love Max. I don't want him to lose. I just don't think this was his optimal uh, opportunity. But if he does, BC, is he going to go to 155? We Now, maybe he can bulk up there and do it more properly, but it's not like he has tremendous firepower at 145. He's got good firepower, but against Dustin, he had overmatched, and now he'd have to go back there because he's not going to beat Volkanovski if you lose twice. It's risky, dude. You lose yeah, this one, a, there's, you, you got to walk the plank a little bit. That's a legit setback if he loses from that, from which directions his career heading. And now there are big enough names in featherweight. I mean, good God, would you love him against, you know, the zombie or take a rematch? I mean, there's so many great fights you can make, but I agree with you on that. 
Would you be willing, though, on our 50th episode, Luke, to, to put something on the line here? I'm not talking about scratch. I, I, I know what's in your wallet, okay? I don't need it, all right? I'm talking about maybe, like, putting your eyebrows up. What, do you, what are you going to put up against this? For, for this uh, I, I, listen, okay. I don't. I mean, you know, you want me to know which way I'm leaning? I lean Volkanovsky for all the reasons aforementioned. I don't want to count Max out. This is the only thing that just bugs me. It makes me feel like I have to speak out and be like, Max is going to lose, and this is terrible, and the sky is falling. I just don't think it was smart to take this opportunity the only thing that just sticks out to me, BC, the only thing I keep coming back to is everybody loves Max. You love Max. I love Max. People watching the show love Max. Every You can't be a real fight fan and say you don't like Max. The problem is I don't see enough of that same love extended to Volkanovsky, either in terms of respect for his game well, or just being know. a father of two girls. Folks just don't. They, you got to put some respect on his name, y'all. It's a and shorter. It's, 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 uh, look, look, he's the new kid in town. I know. Look, he's got some great victories, but it's such a shorter amount compared to an all-time great in Max. Come on, Luke. Come on. All right, fair enough. We'll have to see what happens. But let's move on to topic number three. We have one more title on this card, BC. So with that in mind, we've got a vacant bantamweight title. Peter Yan taking on Joe Zay. Aldo. All right, BC, interesting question for you here. I'll we'll pitch to you one more time because I'm in a title-given mood. Here's an interesting one, right? In the other two title fights, somebody already has the title. In this particular case, it is open. So let me ask the question this way. What does the winner get with the title? How does it transform each of their careers? Well, the winner, the winner gets a, a buttload of tough matchups in a great division. But it, it is uh, it, there's two different stories coming in here, right? I mean, Peter Jan, Peyote, uh, Peyote, uh, how, what's the latest pronunciation on that? Ayahuasca. Yeah, ayahuasca. Thank you, thank you very much. There, shout out to Sugar Rashad Evans. Uh, yeah, look, uh, Peter Jan. I'm going to go with Peter. Um, he's a potential rising stud of this division, along obviously with Aljamain Sterling, and if he wins. You have two young guys that could be the face of this division for a while that will face off. So it's really just, uh, you know, it, it would make good of all the great potential that Jan has showed. And every step up along the way, in every category, he's crossed off the box. He's showing you legitimately he could very well be a future star. It's so much more interesting with Jose Aldo here, Luke. And it, we've already been up and down the road about how much he doesn't deserve this title shot. Love him or not. And I've grown to love the man and love what he stands for and his legacy and all that. We're not talking enough about really what this could do to his legacy, Luke. Obviously, if he wins, you know, he's going to get a bevy of young names right after that to fight. But I think, Luke, it's, it's not incorrect to say that even though you couldn't find anyone on the planet who doesn't look at Aldo right now as one of the all-time greats, right? But there's levels to all-time greatness. I think Connor's one-punch knockout in 2015, it took a lot of the, the air out of the, the balloon of, of him being a potential upper-room GOAT-level guy. And I, I really do believe that, even though he's bounced back and won back the interim title and it became the full title and he's traded wins and losses since then, I just think that back then we looked at this guy as like a pillar in UFC's history. Now, right now, we look at him as another one of the all-time greats that you put in there, maybe a second-tier great. We don't talk about him as the GOAT with Silva, with GSP, with John Jones, etc. Maybe as much. Maybe there's a reason for that. There's a, obviously a debate within that. But what do we do with him, Luke, if he wins here? There's almost this odd redemption. He never got that immediate rematch with Connor that he deserved, right? He'd been the unbeaten champion at Featherweight for like a decade. He's like the only great Featherweight fighter we ever knew up to that point. He was the whole division. 
This is almost his sort of backdoor opportunity to remind us where he might belong historically. And it's an uphill battle. He's an underdog for a reason. And stylistically, in recent history, I don't feel good about his chances, although obviously he's a KO candidate at any time. But Luke, does he have the opportunity, especially if he were able to knock out Jan, who I know doesn't have a giant resume, but you get what I'm saying here, to catapult into that conversation again? Will we be seeing him shoulder to shoulder with the other giants if he becomes just the latest two-division champion? People always ask me, who do you think the best fighters are ever to live? And the answers are usually pretty short, right? You could say Demetrius Johnson, Amanda Nunes, I think now, must be included in that conversation. John Jones, GSP, and Anderson Silva. And the conversation tends to stop there. And I've had people ask me repeatedly, why don't you include Jose Aldo? And a lot of times, I don't know that I have a good answer for it. Maybe there is one, but I keep thinking, I'm like, I don't know. It just, I can't put him on par with some of those other guys. And when I'm forced to like defend it, I mean, I probably could. I mean, maybe the strength of schedule, you know, some of the, lock, the knockout losses would disqualify him in a way that it wouldn't for John Jones, for example. Okay. I mean, there's things you could look at there. But at the same time, you know, he certainly is somebody who has done everything you said, incredible achievement inside the sport. Here's what I think he gets if he wins, BC. I think, I mean, if he's not already in there, right? And so I think in the mind of, of Dana White, if he wins this Bantamweight title, there is absolutely no way you deny him the Hall of Fame. You just could not do it. And at that point, you would really be forced to begin putting him on par with somebody like a Demetrius Johnson, like a John Jones, like a St. Pierre. It's got a lot of St. Pierre elements to it. Now, of course, he has had a bit of more of a difficult career sojourn with those two stoppage losses to Max, the stoppage loss to Connor, although he did beat Frankie, you know, obviously at 145, and he's had some other great moments, but he lost to Volkanovski at 145 as well. That's partly why he's at 135. Okay, so it's not the same, but the point being is in your late career opportunity you went down to a very competitive weight class and you got another belt that would to me would be i, I just can't overstate how transformative it would be and again there's people who's gonna be watching this being like he's already there he already deserves to be taken seriously okay maybe you believe that what would the addition of another belt do for that it would make it ironclad it would make it not debatable it would make him in the pantheon of greats in a way that his exclusion would then be weird rather than being this kind of bubble are you going to play in the nit are you going to play in the ncaa kind of tournament scenario it would absolutely just shift the debate at that point and so i wonder actually bc if he wins does he stick around Right, You said if Peter Yan wins, man, he's got to face all these dudes. You're going to eventually face Corey Sandhagen. Aljamain Sterling's on deck. I wonder if Jose Aldo wins, what does he have to prove at that point? You've already captured two belts. You're a little bit more senior in your career. Do you want to go keep taking these beatings and making these hellacious cuts to 135 pounds? I doubt that he does, or at least not for very long. I wonder if he captures the belt, BC, if this might be the swan song. I mean, if he did that and controlled his, his, his exit and his destiny that way, that'd be great. My brethren at CBS Sports, my editors, po uh, pitched an entirely different scenario. What if he wins and then Dana goes, oh, great. Next fight against Frankie Edgar. Fight after that against Uriah Faber. Look at what these guys have accomplished. We can justify this. I mean, hopefully not, considering how deep and young this division is. I have fears about his potential to win it, though, Luke, because I think if you look back at his last four or five performances, he certainly changed with age. And while it's fun to see a guy who was always such a uh, 
I mean, he, he controlled fights with those hard leg kicks. He got off first. He made you fight his fight. Now he's evolved into almost like this celebrity bully counterpuncher. I just don't think that style is going to work against a guy like Jan, who's younger, quicker, faster, maybe stronger. We're going to find out. And seems to not really have any legitimate holes. Like, it's one thing to stand in that mold and reinvent yourself, so to speak, and knock out a Moicano, a Jeremy Stevens. Great wins for Jose Aldo. But you remember when Volkanovski uh, disarmed him and we just didn't see life in Aldo? We didn't see an ability to adjust. I think at this point, especially with cutting down in weight, he, know he believes in his power. He knows he can take a beating and keep coming back. But Luke, for everyone said that Marlon Moraes beat him in that fight, go rewatch the second half of that third round. Aldo just left the back door open. He just wasn't active enough. And if he's going to go in there and think my only chance to win is by knockout, then okay, ride and die with that. But I've got this, you know, vision of Jose Aldo going to the finish line after five rounds and sort of being content when we're all looking at going, look, you didn't throw enough strikes. You didn't do enough. And that's what I fear for this version of him. Yeah, the last thing I'll say on Peter Yan is if he wins, it'd be great, huge for his career, right? Heir to the throne of, of uh, Henry Cejudo, although obviously he wouldn't have beaten him to got it. But still, you know, the guy afterwards and all that's great. But it's like I'm really hesitant to be like, okay, this is the Peter Yan era. It's not that I don't believe that Peter Yan is very talented. I just think Welcome there's a whole the lot of young era. dudes nipping at his heels. Go ahead. Uh, welcome to the Machida era, Joe Rogan, yeah. 2012. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I'm just really hesitant to say that because, Jesus Christ, man, there's a lot of tough dudes in the top of that division. So it'd be great for him. Obviously, winning a title is huge, but I don't know about the rest of it. Okay, BC, we jump now to point number uh, four, right? This card is stacked. We go down the line. Rose Nama Yunus in a rematch with Jessica Andrade. Okay, BC, I was thinking about this one. What happens to the winner here? Should they get a title shot? And I'll say, BC, yes. Yes, they should get a title shot for two very important reasons. Number one, who else would it be? Let me read you the rankings, right? So your champion is Wiley Zhang. Number one contender is Jessica Andrade. Number two is Rose Namajunas. Now, three is Tatiana Suarez. It'd be nice to put her in the mix. She's training on Instagram, but we don't know what the future is with her neck. That's still all very much up in the air. And then four is Joanna Jacek, who I can admit had a not merely a fight of the year contender. That's maybe the best women's fight I've ever seen. No, it is, in fact, the best women's fight that I've ever seen. But it was grueling and brutal, and I thought Joanna won. I really did. I knew it was close, but I had it when it was over 3-2 to two for Ioana. I understand that folks want to give that one another crack. Okay, but here's my point. Number one, Jessica and Rose are sitting respectively number one, number two. If this isn't a number one contender's fight, I don't know what is. Secondly, I'm not opposed to the idea that Ioana could go and fight the winner of this, maybe, because Tatiana is basically going to be out of the running. Or maybe Ioana can fight the loser of this, if it's Rose or if it's Jessica, depending, right? She would have, you know, I'm, I'm unfinished business, but certainly she's got a past with both of them. I think that's a path that she could take. But the reality is this, dude, that fight was so unbelievably brutal. Giving her more time to heal, giving her more time to just figure it out and it was brutal for Wiley Zhang but she's a little bit newer in her career in terms of these you know brutal five round UFC fights obviously she's got a lot of fights numerically in her career so for those reasons I think it actually should be we want to see exactly how good Wiley Zhang is the UFC wants to market her in China giving her some of these fresh matchups I think and especially with Rose if she ends up winning who is beloved and something of a celebrated figure inside wider MMA circles I think it'd be really good for her. It'd be a hell of an interesting fight. It'd keep the division running. Yes, the winner of this should get a title shot. 
I think it depends on who wins, Luke, and I think there's a reason here because if Rose Namajunas wins, you 1,000% make that title fight for two reasons, right? One, Rose is the best women's strawweight in the world, Luke. I'm sorry. Yeah, she's got to prove it. She's got to prove a lot of things on Saturday night, but my eyes have told me, especially that incredible first round she had against Andrade before it fell apart, that, you know, with some tweaks, she's the best one out there. And number two, uh, Luke, shorthand, Tell me the best fights we can make in UFC. Tell me that Weili Zhang and Rose Namajunas isn't on that list. You want to talk about a style matchup? You want to talk about potential to see this craft at the highest level in the women's game and in, you know, my favorite division that always delivers? That is a hell, hell of a fight, Luke, that you can make if we get there. Now, I'm certainly looking past Jessica Andrade. It's not that she wasn't the champion before. It's not that she wasn't at the title level before. But I don't think they would run that ba- that fight back uh, after the way she lost against Weili Zhang. Look, it was a bad loss. She just ran in front of oncoming traffic. There's not a lot of demand for that fight. I mean, certainly would depend on Tati- Tatiana Suarez's health. But I think she's uh, going to get that next shot if Rose doesn't win here. And Luke, uh, more importantly, uh, you know, we know Rose's story, right? Almost retiring last year. Two family members passing due to COVID. And, and this is delayed her comeback. She talked a lot in that Ariel Hawani interview about uh, rediscovering her faith look rose has always been such an interesting case study i think because she's always been very upfront with the mental health history in her family and some of the challenges she had we saw tremendous potential in the beginning of her career and there's been stops and starts and ups and downs but luke i i defy you to tell me why she's not the best in this weight class and um you know, yeah, she got dropped in her head. She got knocked out. It was a bad situation. But I think she's found her fighting spirit again, which is most important. And as we know with the great coaching of Trevor Whitman, when hmm. you look at Rose's submission background, her length, and her understanding of boxing over her past three, four fights, she's as good as it gets, Luke. So this is going to be a very interesting fight given, you know, Andrade's ability to finish a fight at any time. I mean, it was the, I'm not going to say it was the equivalent, but it's the closest equivalent I've seen. Well, I actually, actually, that's not true. That would be Sarah McMahon versus Roxanne Modafferi, right? But I'm going to say it was something that reminded me of Rampage Jackson and Hikardo Arona. Arona had sort of gone underneath uh, when they were fighting in Pride, but you know he was uh, ADCC, I think, gold medalist, really good submission grappler, and Rampage didn't want to beat it. That was considered a dangerous situation, and Rampage just did prime Rampage things and just bodied him in one of the most incredible slams ever. I mean, for folks who may not remember... Uh, Jessica Andrade was getting tuned up. <laughs> she was getting tuned up big time by Rose Nama Yunus until that fateful moment where she got slammed. Now, credit to Jessica for using her natural gifts and, you know, just kind of being a barbarian that she is. But what's interesting is you said, tell me that Rose isn't the best fighter in this weight class. I'm not sure that I can, BC, because, yes, she made a mistake against Jessica. Okay, fair enough. But we know she's beaten Yoani uh, and Jacek close. Actually, I would say more dominantly, rather, than Wiley Zhang did. And while she had the stumble against Jessica, there was enough there to say maybe with some adjustments, she could do it a second time. And for those other reasons, her length, her well good coaching, her recentering, her focus, her overall submission ability, there are reasons to think she'd be a handful for Wiley Zhang. I would love to see that contest. So I agree. I, I'm not sure that I can't say that she's the best fighter. But what I can say is if styles make fights, even if she's, you know, if, even if she could beat Wiley Zhang, you can't get past Jessica Andrade. All bets are off. So we need to see that growth you were talking about to get this other opportunity. And by the way, I think if she captures that title again, BC, at some point down the line, and this is a big if, she's got a lot of work to do in front of her, 
But if she does, you're talking about some serious grit, all-time ladies' performances there. Frankly, all-time UFC performance to lose it, go on a sojourn, come back and get the title again. That's that's big-time stuff right there. Absolutely. And by the way, would you uh, would you say the most charismatic spouse coach in MMA is uh, Pat Barry or Coach Latore? Mm. Which one are you picking? Ooh. Uh, Pat Barry might be a little bit more valuable in the corner in terms of some strategic advice. But you know, Latori uh, certainly guided her man to victory, and I'm not here to say anything bad about her. Okay, one more of these, BC. The last fight on the main card, Paige Van Zant getting a bit of an exit interview. And when by interview, I mean audit. When she takes on Brazilian Amanda Hebas, I interviewed Amanda Hebas on my show, BC. I don't know if you've ever talked to her. She's the happiest MMA fighter I've ever spoken to. An absolutely infectious personality. Black belt in jiu-jitsu. High-level Muay Thai. She speaks English. It is pretty clear the UFC is looking at her as somebody they might be able to make some headway with, both in Brazil and then overall in MMA. She is the real deal Holyfield, we think. She has to take on Paige Van Zandt. Here's my question to you. If she wins, and it's expected that Amanda will, although one never knows, Paige could. But I guess the question is, after this fight, this will be the last fight on Paige's contract, does she bounce to Bellator? BC, I'm going to say I think the chances of that are high. One, uh, like if, you're, if you were to sign Paige Van Zandt, why would you sign her? Because you think she could be a weight class champion? Maybe, but that wouldn't be the predominant reason. Obviously, she can fight pretty well, but she's not like the best in her class in terms of her overall skill level. What she brings is she's pretty good. You could give her exciting matchups because she's an exciting fighter, and obviously she has a ton of popularity. You would be signing her for her popularity, for her visibility. And if she feels like in Bellator, it might not be the exact same stage as the UFC, but I'm going to get fights that are better for me. I'm going to be in bigger platforms depending on how they work this i can have all of my other sponsors and so on and so forth she can market all the things outside of the cage i mean that's what scott coker does he did it with gina carano uh, obviously strike force had ronda rousey first and misha tate and marlu's Coonan. he was the first with all of this this is a perfect setup for her if she wants to go over there i don't know what her plans and ambitions are but a marriage so to speak between Paige van zandt and scott coker slash bellator I, that's a pretty good way to go. Yeah, I mean, she's the biggest star in, in, in the division right away, right? Second biggest star in the company female-wise behind Cyborg. If that happens, and look, a, a big part of Paige's post-UFC career, we're, we're assuming she, she leaves and they don't resign her, is she wants to join WWE. She's been, you know, overly uh, outspoken about that. And look, her history of uh, bringing up fighter pay issues, they're cashing her the hell out here, Luke. And what's interesting here is not only have they thrown her to the lion, right? They've thrown her to the or the lioness. No disrespect to Amanda Nunes with nine and one Amanda Hebas, who look like we may find out pretty soon that Hebas is the second best women's flyweight in the world. You know, we talk about how shallow this division is lately we've seen a couple more names pop up but in terms of finding somebody you could legitimately believe could give valentina shevchenko some problems i mean he best is showing us a lot in a short period of time three and oh in the ufc so there's a big opportunity for her to make a statement and in a weird way it's almost making page like this uh 
interesting underdog story here where she's taking this fight as serious as possible. She even said that, you know, in interviews that she's dropped her sponsor. She's only focusing on the training because obviously she wants to exit with a strong brand. No one wants to exit and end their UFC run, you know, with a knockout loss. But have you seen the odds for this fight, Luke? And last I checked on William Hill, Amanda Hebus is a minus 909 favorite, Oof. which is mind-boggling. And while I favor her big, and this is a cash-out, and PVZ could be in some real trouble, the one thing Paige does have in her corner, Luke, is like a... Ability to pull one of those reckless strikes out of her, out of her, you know, backside, and I wonder, like, this has the potential to be uh, an incredible upset if she can pull it off. It's not likely where she could exit on her own terms and kind of do a "How you like me now?" But um, I wish her well in her future. I think this is the end, and it should be for her, Luke. And her husband has the worst tattoo in MMA history on his neck. Thank you. Uh, I've not seen that, and I'll just say this though: like, it's going to Bellator. Like I've said this before, dude, the UFC is the biggest platform, obviously, in MMA, but that doesn't mean it's the best fit for everybody, right? Both in terms of your overall skill level, although that can be uh, you know, a lot of different ways you could go. But more importantly, if you like a promoter who lets you do a little bit more of the things you do outside of the cage, who understands how to leverage that both for their own popularity as well as your own, if you, who's a little bit more hands-on with you as a negotiating partner, that's a thing you prefer and you can use, do it. Like, it's better for you. Like, it'll make both parties happier. Now, if she wants to stay in UFC and UFC wants to keep her because they have a change of heart, okay, fine. That's all's well that ends well. I'm just saying, like, a lot of times people are like, oh, it's the end and it's all bitter and it's acrimonious. How do you know you're not going to a place that's better for what you want to do? I don't think you'd be better for Amanda Hebus, but it might be better for Paige Van Zandt. So, by the way, I asked Amanda Hebus about that very thing. I asked her, what about the recklessness of Paige? And she agreed with you, BC. She's like, that's the one thing that makes her absolutely dangerous. You have to be very, very careful with that. But all smiles and giggles, she likes her chances. So uh, yeah. I got to tell you, BC, this UFC 251 card is absolutely stizzacked. Top to bottom. I cannot well, wait. Don't say top to, to bottom. It's one of the best main cards we've seen in a long time. I put it up in the conversation. The rest of the card, short of Vulcan Ozdemir, kind of sucks the horn, Luke. you got to be really honest with people. <laughs> okay. I wasn't referring to that. I was meaning just the main card. But yes, fair enough. For what you're paying for on pay-per-view, you're getting your money's worth, I think is the way I would put it. Okay. With that in mind, it is time where we turn our attention to what the viewers and our audience have to ask us. It's time now, BC, for DMs from dogs. <laughs> There we are. All right. We should kind of hustle through these a little bit. BC, I don't know if I got these ahead of time, so just throw them up on the screen here, Jay, whoever's putting them up, so I can read them off, and hey, we'll get the to first them. Time okay. You said Jay's name today. That's great. From right. from Admia Kayla. Will this be the greatest night of upsets in UFC history if Aldo Holloway and Masvidal win? BC. Uh, yeah, and add PVZ if she could pull that off, which I don't think she will. I mean, you heard me. I'm going with uh, the underdog, both Max Holloway and uh, Jorge Masvidal in the first two fights. So, look, there's live dogs in here, Luke, and it's not just uh, because they're good matchups where the B-side, so to speak, has a good opportunity. It's just everything we talked about with the uncertainty of the quarantine going to, you know, who's going to adjust to this 
in a bad way. We have no idea. You're flying to Abu Dhabi. You're going to Vegas first. You're taking 18 COVID tests. They're sticking things down into your soul, Luke. And then you're fighting in the middle of the morning. Nobody knows what this will turn out to. Uh, Betting-wise, it's very interesting. But also, yes, the spirit of that question, this could be one of those nights that we remember because uh, nobody's safe here. This is a great night of fights. Yeah, I wonder wonder if that happened. Like, what has been the UFC card with the most amount of upsets? Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but I wonder if those three won, if it would be in the running. You have to imagine it might be. The greatest greatest experience, or maybe tied for the greatest I ever had, was UFC 217 at Madison Square Garden, where where the the B-side won all three of those fights, Hmm. right? It was uh, TJ knocking out Cody. It was Rose knocking out Ioana. And then it was GSP. Were they the betting underdog in all three? I don't remember. But that was probably the best comparison I can give you, Luke. All right. Next, Zachary A. Bauer asks, do you all have any thoughts on Teddy Atlas recently saying, I'm getting addicted to the sport of MMA. It seems like those in boxing world are paying more attention to MMA. I actually watched his podcast on this prior to this question. Actually, uh, it is coincidental. BC, here's my thought on this, and I wonder what you think. When, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, let's say in the aughts, if I tried to get somebody in boxing to watch MMA, they might watch Anderson Silva or St. Pierre or something, but they had a real hard time watching anybody else. I think that it's not just a function of MMA's popularity. The big growth curve in the last 12 years, and it continues to grow, is striking. The striking has gotten way, way better, and that's going to be the first thing anybody from the boxing world respects and, frankly, understands. They're beginning to see – I'm not saying they're on par. It's not my point, BC. It's just so different. But, dude, like you can show MMA striking to somebody at this point, like a good, a good match between people, and they will agree that it's pretty high level between these certain guys. I think that's finally beginning to dawn on them, and then the action overall, pretty darn great. Yeah, and there's been a perfect storm in this for Teddy Atlas where they sort of really diminished his role in a hard, you know, on a hardcore level on ESPN when Top Rank came in and kind of, you know, had their own announced team put together there. And then he had that relationship with Dustin Poirier when Poirier shouted him out, uh, you know, before the Habib fight in terms of the motivational quotes and all that. And then, you know, he was a guest on Teddy's pod and they've stayed close. Look, I'll give Teddy Atlas discredit. When he launched that podcast, it was sort of like, all right, this is going to be interesting because I don't know if you ever interviewed Teddy. Not only is it fantastic because he's so deep and, and wacky, but you get one question, Luke. You get one question, and it's going to take 30 minutes for him to answer it because he talks to himself. But his podcast has been very interesting. He's used the uh, the COVID run to tell long-form stories on coming up with Mike Tyson and all that stuff. And I actually respect and enjoy the way he looks at MMA. Look, he's not going to be there breaking down the ground game technique, but he does understand, obviously, the, the heart and mindset of a fighter. And uh, it's interesting to hear his take. So, yeah, I think this um, boxing being so lame, to be honest, the last few months has really... Uh, sped up the crossover uh, especially on my boxing twitter timeline of people that are taking notice of ufc closer than ever before fair enough that probably plays a role as well you got high level mma fighters competing ain't no high level boxers competing right now people are star for some action fair enough all right we go to at bkob underscore what is the ufc going to do bc with an aging heavyweight roster dc and stipe are soon to retire and francis seems to be miles ahead of everyone what do you think um, well, they're going to do what they always do. Number one, heavyweights age later. So, yes, Stipe and DC, DC are, uh, look to be closer on the way out. But the thing is, you can linger and you can have a, a long career and reinvent yourself at heavyweight one. Two, uh, you know, 
Ngannou might end up having a run, and he, and he probably is deserving because he's so fun and so devastating, but you just never know. I mean, Alexander Gustafson just moved up. I don't know if he's going to be any good. John Jones is, is trying to go up for big money. The heavyweight division has never really been deep at any one point, but it's always able to reinvent itself, Luke. So uh, age is never a factor there. Yeah, you're going to lose two big stars at the same time, but uh, you know we have the the Curtis Blades, the Walt Harris's. I mean, there is a group of, uh, you know, non-super old wash guys who still have a chance to improve and, and figure out who they are. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, the question for me is, DC we know is going to retire. Okay, so that's a given. Stipe, I don't know how long he sticks around, because if he sticks around, it gives some time for some things to shuffle. But this is the problem with the heavyweight division. It's the oldest division of all divisions inside MMA. The turnover there doesn't happen often enough. So you see these guys that just hang on and hang on and hang on. And as a consequence, it kind of makes things stale uh, in certain periods before they, there's upheaval. So the answers are not easy. I don't know. Uh, okay. At Dan underscore Piercy. Latifi. Say again. The answer is Beefy Latifi. Beefy Thank Latifi. You. At Dan underscore Piercy. BC, if Showtime said you guys were overweight and had to each lose 20 pounds... Would and could you do it? BC, not only could I do it, I've done it. Your boy was eating marshmallow uh, cereals and drinking every night during the quarantine for the first couple of months. Packed on a few LBs, but quietly, I've been watching what I eat. I've been tracking my macros. I've been exercising. And I can say I am now down to pre-quarantine, actually below pre-quarantine weight. I'm going to wow. see how far I can take can you this share thing. the? Can you share the digits with the audience? What are you weighing in Oh, no, in they're, right so, they're so bad and so embarrassing. I'm not willing to make that sacrifice. Three bills? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Three needles? I'll tell you what. Where are you? I'll tell you what. You push us to 75K on subs, which I realize we're not very close to right now, but you push us to it. I'll tell you all the numbers. Uh, they oh, are come on. Don't, ter- I mean, terribly I mean, I know in we can't say things like this, but, but don't be a lady, Luke. Tell the people your weight. No, I mean, I'm going to be a lady. I'm going to be a puss because it's who I am. But All right. here's well, what I'll Luke, say. I have been, um, I've lost the weight. M- my wife hates me because for the last decade, I've been 229 pounds every single day, whether I'm being fat like I am now or whether I'm running every day. I don't understand my body anymore. Probably a lot of gas station culture is the only way to explain that. But can I lose 20 pounds? Yeah, probably my best operating weight if I got in legit shape would be like 205. Um do I have the motivation at 41 and, and 9 tenths to get there, Luke? I don't know. I don't know. I could do it. You put something on the line. You put a little scratch, Luke. You challenge me. You never know what's going to happen, Luke, because, you know, you, on the surface, I look very handleable, Luke. But deep inside, there's a, there's, a, there's a raging beast, okay? My guess is if you still stay 229 when you run, you must, like, eat well when you're not exercising and then eat terribly when you are exercising. Is that what's happening? Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what'll happen. Uh, okay. Last but not least, from Cha underscore Vita, do you guys have any ideas for what the new name should be for the Washington Redskins? BC, what do you think? BC, by the way, who is your football team? Are you a Giants guy? No, I, I screwed myself. I was a Bears fan growing up, you know, fresh off the Jim McMahon refrigerator Perry Super Bowl era. And then when the Bears traded McMahon in 89 to the Chargers, I did that thing that you can't do, which is get so emotionally upset that your favorite player got traded that you said, F this team, I'll never cheer for them again. And who was waiting for me, Luke? Jerry Glanville 
Andre Risen, MC Hammer, Evander Holyfield, and the 91 Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> so I was like a bootleg second-rate Falcons fan for a decade through that Super Bowl loss when Eugene Robinson picked up that whore. And uh, I got to a point where I said, I'm not a real Falcons fan. I'm no one. And then I think like a lot of people, Luke, fantasy football ruined my my team fandom. I've actually been playing since 1990. I'm an old school guy. Um, and uh, yeah, so now I'm just a regular fan of the league. Thank you. Thank you for hearing my sad story. What, what is, uh, give me a name that the Redskins should pick up. I hope it's not something generic and lame like the Washington Renegades or Gladiators. Um, I would like if they replaced that name with something that had to do with the capital, the city, the the poli- you know the political culture, something. Um, See, I'm I against know, that completely. I hate all that. That's got nothing to do with D.C. People who live here don't care about it. I mean, that's not entirely true, but well, it's I'm not over- saying go to Washington Bullets, Luke. I'm saying more that's like exactly, a Washington Capitals type That's name, exactly okay? what they should do. They should go to the Bullets. They won't, but that's exactly what they should do. I saw people being like, they should be called the Americans. Man, fuck that. Do not call them the Americans. Oh, that is so, that is so PC, Luke. I thought you'd be all over that. That is No, like, I know. hate that name. I hate that name. I don't want them to be the Capitals with an O. I don't want any of that. Like, here's what I was thinking: you could do the Warriors if you want to keep like the burgundy and gold and like some of the spear imagery. Although some people want like a complete turn away from all that stuff. Okay, that's might be a problem. The one thing is like they've taken all the big cats. Like, there's the tigers. There's you know, there's the the jaguars. There's the lions. So you can't do that. Yeah. How tough are how tough are fish? Panthers are taken. Fish, you got the Miami Marlins, all right? Okay, that's one thing. Florida Marlins. San Jose like, Sharks. San Jose Sharks, not a fish, but okay, here's the thing. Mighty Ducks. Here's the thing, uh, which is a bird. Uh, we have an invasive species here called the snakehead, right? Which is, uh, it's this weird-looking eel thing that just eats everything in the Potomac River. That was a thing you could do, you know, maybe, Something I don't know. The Washington piranhas. Is this where you're going, Luke? The, what about uh, the Washington? What about the Washington snakeheads? That's the lamest thing I've ever heard you it's, say. It's, it's not as lame as the Americans. The Americans uh, is a show on FX and should stay that way. Yeah, uh, I, I wish I had something better. Uh, the Washington Warriors is pretty generic, but watch it be something like that. Your guy Dan Snyder's under pressure, Luke. Okay, all right. All right. How about the Washington Woke Warriors? (laughs) The WWWs? Yes, yes. Uh, I don't think that would fly either, uh, but we'll see. Maybe maybe the Warthogs is the thing you could do. It's probably a thing you could maybe do. Boars, the wild boars. That sounds very Harry Potter to me. I'm not into that. Yeah. See, everyone says skins, and then they're like, you could do potatoes, and you could make it like a salad, because no one's ever told that joke 50,000 times. No, you cannot do that one. So I don't know what they're going to do. Just call them the, the Washington, Washington Aryans. Is that where you're going, Luke? That's Skin a little heads. bit. It's, it's, it's Chocolate City, though, so you couldn't really do that either. You know what I'm saying? That was a little racist fit. of you to say that, but that's fine. It, that's what the mayor calls it here, mayor for life, Mayor and Barry. Mayor, okay. Mayor uh, Barry? I could be mayor. Mayor Barry? Smoke if you, crack if he can be mayor, back. If he can be mayor, anyone can be mayor. All right, with that in mind, BC, it is time where you steer the show and we watch people's dongs. Go ahead, my friend. Uh, yeah, let's dong time. You know what we do? We scour the earth, Luke. For the highs and lows, the good, bad, and the ugly in combat sports and beyond. It's not only have you seen this shit, it's a birthday time. Have you seen this shit at 50? 
Never looked any better. Luke, this is an all-star edition. It's loaded. So lock up, buckle up, get ready. We're going to do this thing for as long as it takes. We always start with real fights, Luke. Shamrock FC. Remember when you mentioned Rampage and Arona? Mm -hmm. Kaufman and Roxy? Check out this slam KO to the deep, dark depths of hell, Luke. Coming right up, brother. Yikes. Oh, Jesus. I think they should have just opened the, the canvas on the floor and just put in, it had, a, had a, a coffin waiting, Luke, and just drop him right in. By the way, I like how the guy has uh, the three-quarter leggings on underneath his fight shorts. That's not yeah, cheating. Nor normally, you should lose for that, but wow, Luke, that is wow. Yeah, even, I, yeah. I'd make fun of him for shopping at Lululemon, but then he'd do this to me. Yeah, that is a shout-out to their CTE Society in the house presenting that one. All right, let's move on. UFC 251 protocols, Luke. This was in Brazil. The sneaky hot Amanda Hebus, who you talked to, getting the COVID test. Luke, I am not down with this. I'll wear a mask. I'll do whatever else you tell me to do. I am not letting them scrape the back of my brain. That's a fighter. That's a fighter right there, Luke. Yeah. Look at that reaction. She told me, That's she assault, brother. She told me she was afraid of this. Luke, they, I think they, they may have given her a hysterectomy with that. I don't know, like that. They went, they went far, Luke, with that, okay? Yeah. Look at boy, that. Oh, God. Oh, well, the back of the throat's not terrible. But look at the note. Who is that butcher in that mask? Yeah, tell, tell them, Mandy, please. Wow. I know. Nice. It's, like, it's like, doctor, you know this is not an honor killing. We don't do that here. I mean, what psychopath is that? Kavorkian's here to see you. I mean, no, I will not. Luke, I will not cover a fight until this is over. I'm sorry. I can't do that. Say, I don't uh, care what you say about me, Luke. I survived three needles. Won't go that way, okay? They couldn't, even, they couldn't even get that, that thing through my right nostril. It's so messed up. But oh, yeah. Could, all, that, all the years of Bugar Shugar they got to get through there. Okay, let's roll on, Luke. It's time for the spinny shit of the week. Here's spinny shit gone right. Check out this double spin KO in kickboxing. Little pump fake. Oh, yeah, that is nice. He's like, you know, I'm nice. going to spin. I'm going to pretend. Oh, I just pretended close distance. Oh, wow. That's, that's spinny shin gone. Right. How about some spinny shit gone better? Luke, check out Ollie Flint with a nice little step in counter kick here. I don't know what federation this is. Oh, boy, Luke. Are you recycling these? We've seen this one. No, we haven't. It looks like it. A lot, a lot of white guys in Europe. It looks like it, Luke. That's a hell of a finish. What do you call I'm, that move? I, I don't know. Between the legs like that, I don't know. All right. All right. Well, here's some spinny shit gone disastrous. Shout out for Grabaka Hitman. Chubb Rock going to step in here, Luke. Look, some people just shouldn't try this stuff, Luke. I mean, come on. Come on. You know? Is it? Wow. You know what? I was going to give big man props for doing that, and then. No. 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 Well, that's not your fight of the week, Luke. Let's take it to the streets here, okay, Doobie Brothers? Let's do it here. Let's take it to the streets for a nice little construction street fight. It's not the knockout I want you to see. It's the celebration. He just sent you to hell. Oh, Luke. Is this like, and they're counting him out? That's crazy. Tell me how my ass tastes. Tell me how my ass tastes. Luke, incredible celebration from this guy, right? Dude, that old man brace? put the hands on him. And this guy's doing like the, like the soldier boy on the ground, like oh, face yeah. down. And then look, go and back. They're cheering him on. Wait, wait, wait. Go back. Oh, they'll show. They'll show. Look at him. Gangster signs. NASA shirt. He's like, bitch, I work for NASA. I got them <laughs> hands for NASA. 
Oh boy, yeah. Send your ass into astronomy. Got the left hook astronomy you see in stars. Oh yeah. Hey, speaking of great celebrations, Luke, let's go to the baseball time and check out another Chub Rock rounding second here and going for third. Luke, you've been out at third a few times on some high school dates, but check how this guy celebrates. Look look at big country here. Look at John Cruck. This is great. Two words for you. Yeah, right there, Luke. Dude, right that's there. that is that is real life Kenny Powers. That is fantastic. Love it. Love look at it. big look at big fella here. Luke, I don't oh, know if you follow the that. great uh, Platinum Mike Perry on Instagram, but Coach Latore uh, took him up on his raw dog challenge this week. Did you? Uh, you can't write this stuff, Luke. This is this happened. You see this? This no. is inside the bed of these two. This is great. Oh my god! Oh, got him! Got him, Dude, Luke. What is wrong with Mike Perry? Uh, well, you know. Okay. Yep. She got. Oh got my it. god. Dude, All she right. doesn't. She she karate chops that thing. She's looking for candy. She got him right in the pinata, Luke. That was great. Hey, speaking of pinata, we got some pinata fun this week. Luke, you can't put a pinata video out there unless someone gets hurt. Here we go. This is how you start them young. You got to spin. Pe- See, you disorient people. You spin them around. You give them a bat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I like turtles. Yeah. Oh, wow. That kid. Yeah. <laughs> Take that. Um, uh, Unfortunately, Luke, that's only the second most violent pinata attack of the week. Uh, Sorry about that, kid. Uh, Check out the anger issues on on Karen here. Uh, Karen will not wear a mask. She will wear an eye covering, though, at the party. Uh, Can we forward the video here, Jason? Look at her just go to town on Buzz Lightyear. Bro, she's underhanding it, just stabbing this fool? Oh Jesus Christ, lady. There's, ki- there's kids present here. This is ridiculous. This is a murder. This, this looks like uh, CM Punk against Mickey Gall. What is happening here? <laughs> is this you in high school with kids taking your lunch money? Oh, wow. Look at this. A guy on the roof holding it up here. That is, uh, wow. A Not a lot of candy in Buzz Lightyear. I'm a little uh, underwhelmed by the uh, payout here. Yeah, yeah, this is, uh, wow, okay, hey, let's roll on here. Hey, remember that time, uh, Luke, you know Jeez. Conor McGregor, remember Maymac? We had that boxing public workout, and he broke out that really weird uh, arm flap, and we were making memes about it, and yeah, yeah. look at that, what is he doing? Uh, I don't know, I think I found the origin, Luke, here, let's go back to the 90s, I want to introduce <laughs> you to my girl, Lilith Fair. I think we found out where Connor got this from, Jay. If you can advance the video here already, please. At the point of the joke, there it is. Okay, thanks. Great. <laughs> you know what? People get busy with the Indigo Girls. Don't think they don't. Oh, uh, yeah. Molly is a hell of a drug, Luke. This is great. Wow, dude. Is she dancing or is she just convulsing? I, I think this is how she connects with her higher power. Yeah, look at that. That's great. And, yes. dude, she's doing it with mom jeans on, too, bro. She's like Jordash for life, bitch. Do you think that's a Sarah McLaughlin concert, a Tori Amos one, or maybe uh, who are those uh, two ladies with the acoustic guitars? You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, those Indigo girls. Yes, there you go. There you go. In- indeed, indeed. All right. Hey, Luke, it was uh, our nation's birthday over the weekend, so happy fourth to everybody. Uh, how about some firework fails? All right, check out this guy, Roman Candle Dong over here. Our Asian friend. Uh, is this not going to end good, Luke? Spoiler alert, it doesn't, it doesn't end good for him. <laughs> you know what i love these 
It's like only only the dumbest motherfucker you know would ever do this anyway. So it's like uh, it's like that scene going to BC. BC is that it's, Roman. It's the whole thing. It's that scene from Saving Private Ryan when they're storming the Omaha beachhead and they they get the flamethrower and they hit the bunker with it and then here come the Germans out of it and they go, "Don't shoot, let them burn." That's my <laughs> attitude right here. <laughs> Nobody loves stupid people paying paying uh paying their debts for their stupid ways and luke thomas uh let's move on to walmart luke you got to read the fine print when you buy fireworks for outdoor use only check it out we're wiling out there down in aisle nine what they got this is how they advertise their sales i'm told (laughs) that guy's a suspect right there in the gray t-shirt definitely yeah he was caught leaving the scene of the crime there a little bit too hastily this guy's got a bouquet of flowers here for his for his lady. He's like, yeah, sorry, uh, if it's loud in the background, somebody just lit off a thousand dollars worth of fireworks in aisle nine. All right, woo! All right, this, this hey. guy, yeah, this this dude here. First of all, he's the one who knocked out the other guy in the first clip, and then <laughs> and then secondly, you could tell it's not the first time he's seen fire in a Walmart. It's like, yeah, there's another fire here. I don't know. You gotta love the people who are calm under pressure as it's just the world's crumbling behind them. Luke, it's a good skill for 2020. You need that. Uh, let's check out uh, Drunk Chick of the Week here, Luke. Um, everyone's trying this bounce bounce the basketball with a can. This is one of the better fails I've seen. Uh, yeah, into the, into the pool and take that. <laughs> right into the drink. Oh, that is awesome. I mean, my DMs are filled with these. Every, you know, girls are taking them to the face, to the now, to now the. Now wait a uh, second. What is the object here? You put the like the white claw because you're Karen, on top yes. of the, on top of. Is that a watermelon? What is that? Yeah, uh, that might be a watermelon. But the whole point is that it pops up in the air. It gets shaken up. You catch it and you basically just shotgun it right there. Um, I mean, look, is it different than, uh, you know, our generation didn't do Edward 40 hands or weird stuff like that. Luke, you know what we used to do? We used to buy alcohol and drink it. No, I did the Edward 40 hands. Yeah. All right. We used to just sit in the woods, you know? No, remember, I was in a fraternity, so I did dumb shit like this. Oh, yeah. You guys were probably playing quarters, wearing G-strings. Yeah, it was probably great. All right. We did play Um, quarters, just not in G-strings. But yes, we did play quarters. Well, Luke, we couldn't have this successful show without our international fans. Currently, they can't buy our merch because of Showtime's uh, website ruling, but uh, they can send us their Rugby League Hits of the Week. Luke, check out Dallin Zelezniak just taking a man's soul right here. Bro, what in the fuck? And that's a clean tackle, too, right? He didn't hit God. him. He's not. Is is, is in the shoulders? Oh, I have no. I, I, what is rugby league's different than rugby? These Aussie fans of ours are saying rugby like, league is rugby league is different than rugby union. Uh, what about Aussie rules football? Is this the same? That's a, thing? That's a different sport. All right, all right. Well, that's pretty incredible. Uh, here's the second best rugby league moment of the week. Micah Sivo is about to bulldoze James Tedesco's children's soul here. This is fantastic. Look at that. Take that. Get the hell out of my way. Oh, the pitch back. Dude, it's wow. a lot of white people taking L's on this field. Bumbling, stumbling. Look at these stiff arms, Luke. This is like you tra- <laughs> This is like you trying to get out of the convenience store with your mask on, right? Just get 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 away from me, right? No, no, this is me trying to get an interview and I'm all the white guys getting flattened. Mhm. 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 Oh yeah. I, you know, hey, John Morgan made the flight to Abu Dhabi. I don't know if the schmo did, but um Shout out to those people who are. So did uh, Guillermo Cruz, by the way. He's out there too. 
All right, all right. You know, did they? I don't think they asked you to board that plane, Luke, and I don't think they will. Okay. No, they did not. They certainly did not. All right, Micah Sivo with your uh, Kill Whitey of the Week. It's fantastic. They call it a try. I think he tried hard. He got him. All right, let's roll on here, Luke. Um, this week in COVID protocol violations, check out Abuela. Can somebody get her, Luke? What is happening here? I mean, you gave her, you put a roof over her head, you know, and, and this is what you get. Um, lady, you're going to have to wear a mask. I'm sorry. Dude, what the fuck is wrong with this mouth breather? All right. You know what she wants to she wants to order her salad, Luke. She wants to sit there. She doesn't want to be bothered with with face coverings, okay? You know, it is what it is. All right. Yo, she had one too many uh Chablis up in this bitch. Good See, lord. She needs to follow the lead of her husband, Abuelo. Check out what grandpa did this week in the supermarket. Luke, any means necessary to cover yourself and keep safe, you gotta do it. Um maybe except for that. That's <laughs> That's a, that's a, that's used. The, them are a pair of used BVDs, Luke. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Dude, you could not do this with my underwear. Let me just tell you straight up. Yeah. Wow. Woo. All right. Well, Luke, uh, people criticize this segment. They say all we do are show dongs and fails. You want to see some wins, Luke? You want to see some wins of Let's the stack week? some wins, BC. Check out this guy off the diving board. Incredible. Catches it, I think. Oh, yeah. Does this he guy's stick the, the landing? Of... Wow. He might be right wow. Well played, sir. Well played. Look, I, look, I got, I got, uh, I drank a little too much at a, uh, like family and kids pool party at a friend's house a couple years ago, and I dove off the diving board and hit my head on the bottom of the pool and got concussed. Now, how deep did you dive into? Well, how, how deep was the water? Five feet? I think it was like seven, eight feet. And you still hit the bottom? Yeah, yeah, it happened. It happened. You know? Yeah, I had a friend Don't. do this in three feet of water. We had to take him to the hospital. He's not oh, a smart God. person. This is a warning. Don't drink and dive, all right? Do not do that here. Uh, let's see some more wins. Check out the Speedboat Football Catch Hall of Fame entry here. Luke, this is an all-time great one. Biggins with the throw, and look at that catch. Wow, that's OBJ level right there. Yeah, this is dude perfect stuff right here. This is great. Sorry, yeah, Jetski. It's a jet ski, thank that's you, right. Thank you, privileged upbringing Jason, uh, for the uh, correction there. I know, wow. Jace, like oh. our slaves would clean these. They're called jet skis. That's what they told me, not boats. Uh, hey, let's do a little bit of pool loving. Luke, I call this pool loving done right. It's couples only here, uh, it's backflip off the roof time. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. God. Oh, oh, oh. oh, Jesus. <sighs> Woo. That would have ended the relationship. Wow. Wow, Luke. <laughs> Never would have walked again, but it, wow, that is. <laughs> Woo. We made it. Luke, if, they, if that couple can make it through that, they can make it through anything, okay? <laughs> Dude, they, uh, that's the kind of guy that's going to put a Roman candle on his dong. That is true. Uh, they got it right here, Luke, but other couples not so lucky by the pool. We've also got some fails for you this week. Uh, I'm surprised that pool is not above ground. Yep. Oh! <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that was like an RKO on the, oh, on the uh, pool deck. Jesus Christ. Uh, how do you explain that to her dad when you drop her off, Luke? Yeah, sorry. 
She's yeah, I know. Like, I don't know wrestling moves, but that feels like a Stone Cold Stunner or something. I don't know. Yeah, that was bad. Shout out to this uh, greeting card here of that great meme uh, when they dropped the coffin. That was great. I don't know if we're going to get a replay out of this, but that's great. All right. Oh, here we go. One more time. Uh, one more Mom. time. Oh. Uh, uh, since this is the anniversary edition, Luke, we roll on. The the pool fails continue. Uh, it's all fun and games until Allie Raisman can't walk again, Luke. Oh, gosh. Wow. Oh, uh, I mean, this is, this is, Ugh. you know, this is Dundalk, Maryland right here, folks. Was jumping off of a roof, enough for, you know, jumping off of a roof with high grass onto oh. a trampoline in an above ground pool. I mean, this is dub T at its finest right here. This is great. Wow. Hey, she had, she was an Olympic hopeful, Luke, until she couldn't uh, get her to eat out of a straw. Yeah. BC, that's, that's how a- did she get propelled in a, she doesn't get airborne at all. Look at this. It's just straight no, I forward. Mean, uh, I thought she was going to go through it. Look, those things are dangerous, right? Them things, we, I won't even get one for my kids because of insurance purposes. Okay, Luke? I'm not going to, when you come over one day for a morning combat cookout, you bring your kids, Jay brings all of his ex-wives. I'm not letting your kids on, on any, any of my stuff. Okay. I have one child. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Hey, look, you ever try to be a good neighbor and see your, uh, you know, not you, cause you hate most people in DC, including the people that live next to you and, in, in us in monitor their lawn at a much closer observation level than you but you ever see your guy out there in the sun you hook him up hey bro you're doing great here's a cold one right that's i like that that's neighborly that's brotherly love shot yeah shotgun that thing right look at this weirdo you gotta stay hydrated out there when you're mowing luke right oh. if this was my neighbor i would move oh god wow yeah <laughs> All right. Well, you know, he tried, Luke. All right. <laughs> he tried. Yeah. That's uh Luke, you mow your own lawn, right? Please tell me yeah. you're you're a man yes. in the year yes. 2020. Okay, thank Bitch, you. Bitch, I've been mowing lawn since I was single digits. I don't want to hear it. All right. Even in in Doha? Oh, sorry. Wait. Just you're shoveling sand. Yeah, got it. All right, let's roll on here, Luke. It's uh just another Tuesday night in Miami. This chick has definitely spilled more beer than you've ever drank, and she is committed. She is committed, Luke, to catching up to that stream. This is me chasing career opportunities. (laughs) (laughs) Just just, just desperate for a taste. I always want to see what happens after these videos. Like, does she just go back, you know, in the water and just chill out and hang out? I mean, this is great. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Luke, we're going to close with this. Look, uh, I want to shout out all the great people that have made MK50 a reality one year into this. The greatest Have You Seen This Shit anniversary collection. It's an apropos timing because I think a lot of our people are getting their merch. So shout out to people who have shared that on social media. Luke, you know the LA Chargers wide receiver coach, right? Yeah. The Kraken over here? Yes, yeah, shout dude, out to He our is brethren. amazing. He tweeted out his... Uh, a little mail delivery of a shirt. Nice little glass there. Uh, let's roll on here. Mario Gomez at MG underscore MMA on Instagram. Shouting out a nice MK look there. It's probably an extra large. He's wearing it well, Luke, in the uh, in the dojo this week. Uh, Luke, even my parents down in Florida got their package. Uh, shout out to uh, Diane and Chris Campbell here. They're, they're enjoying wow, their... Wow, look yes. at that. Yes, let's check in with uh, Luke's family. Rob Thomas, uh, no, 
not 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 wearing it <laughs> not wearing it luke Yep, uh, not supporting our cause there. Sorry, uh, uh, Mr. Thomas. No. Nice hat, though. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, no, you're not. I'm telling you, it's going to be a hard sell. It's going to be a hard and finally, sell. Finally, you know who was rocking out this Fourth of July weekend on social media and, and not wearing any MK merch while he supports America and multiple pastels? It's Jay, the producer. Uh, wow, look at this heterosexual. There's a, lot, there's a lot of colors going on there. Uh, Jay, what are you drinking in this photo? A uh, a s sex on the beach or pineapple, pi pineapple, pineapple lemonade. lemonade? That's great. Is that a tie-dyed pink shirt? That's Oh, vodka in there. Wow. No, he's got he's got a a pink tie-dyed shirt. There's a yeah well, wow. this video or this excuse me this photo is clearly missing like three hound dogs that have ticks and fleas that's the only thing not here that would make this perfect <laughs> uh jay now bragging about his designer golden doodle dog which has its own instagram account i do follow it shout out to jay and his people his tribe thank you thank you uh luke have you seen any of that shit because uh, that's amazing 50 episodes in we're going places. Thank you. That's amazing. Thank well you. done. Uh, time, BC, now for odds and ends. Good, sir. What do you have for your odds and ends? Uh, can I do an editorial this week, Luke, and, and shout out the, the, the pro boxing community? And by shout out, I mean challenge and shake. Like like Chris Rock said, I'll never hit a woman, but I'll shake the shit out of her. Hey, boxing, uh, I don't want to wait for my life to be over. I want to know right now, are we going to have a year this year? Can we announce some fights? It's fine that Eddie Hearn's doing a couple decent ones in his backyard. It's fine that top ranks in the bubble every week with some okay stuff. Showtime can't wait for you to bring what's coming and PBC and et cetera. But Luke, this unprecedented times these times right now are changing the way we do everything right change the way we eat change the way we treat each other change the way we do business all that and then some tall pale and handsome it is your boy bc here saying boxing now is the time to restart fix your ills and do what you're supposed to do to make this sport healthy work together because you kind of need to right now um i do call dana white the quarantine mvp for a reason the quality has not subsided. It's almost like improved this summer with great fight after great fight. I'm not immune to understanding the, the UFC business model is easier to pull this off. But the one thing we say year after year in boxing is we see some great fights, but imagine if the best continuously fought the best and we made this an open playing field and TV contracts and other things didn't get in the way. Right now, as the sport's struggling in 2020 to really announce any competitive fight really worth seeing or, you know, really failing to put out big fights, we hope we can see a couple of them at the end of the year. Um, can we get creative? Can two networks and promoters call up and say, look, let's do a home and home. Your guy fights on our network this week. Next month, our guy fights on your network. Let's finally do this for the overall health of the sport that can help everybody because now more than ever, Luke, um, we don't know when, when crap is going to get back to normal. I like our February 1st, 2021 bet of full arenas, but I got some serious doubts, Luke. So um, we're going to have to start to make some adjustments and putting on three quarter good or half as good matchmaking for a year and a half is just not going to cut it. We got to figure out how to, how to, you know, make money and it might have to be through pay-per-view. And if that happens, fine, but work together and make the big fights that we want to see. Uh, let's make boxing great again. I didn't MAGA you there, Luke. I'm just saying I love the sport. I know it's ill will. I know it's issues. 
I love it anyway, right? It's, it's, it's got a scarlet letter on it, but I love that woman boxing. So let's freshen her up again. Who's, Thank you. who's the first A-list boxer to compete in 2020 post-pandemic? Oh, po- you, during the pandemic, you're saying? No, no, no. Well, I mean, yeah. When I say post, I mean since it started, right? Not, not counting I mean, you know, January, February. Probably the best fighter who has fought is Shakur Stevenson in a lopsided fight. We're hoping in September in an empty arena Vegas show that we still will see Lomachenko against Teofimo Lopez on probably on ESPN Plus pay-per-view, and that'd be a great fight. A lot of talk still about Wilder Fury 3 in December, if we can pull it off. And look, obviously, PBC hasn't moved yet. They're going to announce you know some, some good matchups coming up, but we all want to see the big ones too. And as, as excited as we're getting, rightfully so this week, that UFC just doubled down and gave us Masvidal on top of a great card already. I want to see my sport, my, my the the true sport, the one that 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 got me into the combat game, show put its best foot forward again, Luke. Well, I will say uh, we cannot end the show without acknowledging a bit of a tragic loss in the community. The father of Habib Nurmagomedov, Abdul Manat, passed away on Friday from complications related to getting COVID. Now I don't know what his other. Um, health profile was, but this was a man who caught the disease, uh, the virus, then had to be transported to Moscow, had a series of, I think, basically organ failure. He had to get um, heart surgery. I, I know that it had spread to other parts of his body, and uh, ultimately he succumbed to COVID-19. So first of all, we send our condolences to the Nurmagomedov family and everyone else that's effective. You know, BC, you know, what really stuck out to me is uh, I'm glad that Nurmagomedov got the opportunity in front of his father at UFC 242 to win the title and be there with him, which was great. But I have to tell you, you know, what really sort of like struck me at first, you know, I just thought of him as an older guy, and certainly he was. But BC, he was only 57. That's, I mean, 50, I'll be 41 next month, man. That's only 16 yeah. years older. That is very, very young. Tragic and untimely passing. So a uh, bit of a heartbreaker, unfortunately. But the reality just the same and i i do want to say i've i have always loved and enjoyed the respect that habib showed toward his toward his dad and no greater respect was ever shown luke than in those chaotic interviews in the aftermath of ufc 229 when they had the fight in the cage and habib's brawling with connor's team and the first thing he says in the interview is my, my dad's gonna kill me you know yeah. <laughs> my dad's gonna absolutely like he's an adult grown man a ufc champion a millionaire a superstar and the first thing he said is when i get home my dad's gonna kill me and i yeah. and i respect the respect that uh they had and certainly you know you don't have habib without the coaching of his dad and that whole um extended team and the mma community has really especially obviously habib's quote-unquote rivals to see them you know, lay down the arms and show that same respect for the loss of a, of a parent here. This is really tough. And, um, you know, it sucks, Luke. This time, these times suck. And, you know, some of us, the, the deaths have hit home so far in terms of people we know or in our family or in our community or now in, in something that, you know, we get entertainment from. Um, I hope we can find a way. I'm not getting epidemiology on you. I'm not going to pull Luke Thomas on Luke Thomas. But, uh, man, Luke. It's tough right now. It's tough. It's tough. It's very tough. It's unfortunate too. Um, you know, it just sucks. It's, it's terrible. So I don't know what it means for September. I talked to Javier Mendez, BC. I was like, does this mean that he's going to compete in September or not? Is there any way to know? And he said, there's just no way to know right now. So we'll have to see. But uh, obviously, you know, the most important thing is uh, is uh, staying healthy and 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 grieving in the way that he needs to. So all right. Uh, but Luke, with that, Luke, BC. To close on- 
to close on a positive note, because sorry to cut you off, because we are excited about UFC 251 this weekend, and there's potential for the the script to get flipped upside down. Imagine if Saturday night we are talking about Masvidal McGregor next for the welterweight title. Like it is just wild to think about that. That could be in play if, if we see that this weekend. So can't wait for all the fights. A lot of great storylines. A lot of great matchups. Um, I, I want to say it again, Luke. Like shout out to Dana and company. And it has not been a perfect run PR-wise or PC-wise or any of that. But look where we are right now. Uh, the company's rolling. Certainly are. Although they're hubris like, hey, if we can do this, why can't the NBA? It's like, because that job is way harder. But I, I, I will say... In terms of what the task has been in front of him, it's been incredibly difficult. I think they had a couple of stumbles at the beginning. And by the way, you have to remain ever vigilant. right? You can't let your foot off the gas ever. But it looks like they have found, at least for now, um, a path forward. And we're the beneficiaries of that. And I can acknowledge it. So as long as they maintain top-level protocol, I'll keep my mouth shut about it. And uh, they've done exactly that. It looks like, in fact, the protocol in Abu Dhabi is crazy strong. So, so good. I'm glad to see it. And if they can keep that up, then we all get to benefit from it. So, uh, good stuff. Let me just say one more time, BC. This has been a strange, strange year. But this was a passion project that we had cooked up in our brains a long time ago. And you just never know if you're ever going to get the opportunity to try something like this. Showtime took a risk. And it took a risk in the middle of, you know, just absolute craziness. So, I want to thank Showtime for being... Um, you know, uh, in the enablers of this miscreant little show podcast that we do, BC. I want to thank all the folks at Malka who bring it to life and and make it possible. And BC, thank you, man. Thank you for being my partner in crime in all of this. I've really enjoyed this year. It's been strange and un, and weird and challenging, but it's been one of the best years of my career. And yeah. uh, I wouldn't want to do it with anyone else uh, besides you, Pause. Well, thank you very much, Luke. Right back at you. All love to you and the extended family and our entire team. And uh, uh, I always say it when people ask me, you know, how did morning combat come together? I'll never forget that first episode of the MMA beat uh, RIP together where I'm like, oh, God, this guy, Luke Thomas, hates me. You know, I had a good run, <laughs> one episode. But, uh, yeah, but, uh, you know. The yin to the yang, the butt to your stuff. We've figured out some kind of wacky and weird formula. We still give you enough real-time analysis and have some fun, too. There ain't no other show like this, and it's people like Jay in our ear who we typically hate on the air that uh, do a great job behind the scenes, all the great people that you mentioned as well, and all of our committed and dedicated fans. Hopefully all you are opening up your merch packages this week if they're arriving like Christmas morning and great news. A lot, lot more to come in that area uh, as we continue to grow and expand. Uh, the, the, Luke, I can't say it enough. I make a joke all the time that I get all these dong videos, and I do, in my DMs. But we have a passionate people, uh, group of people who just get us. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're weird and, and middle-aged, uh, maybe, and just they just get us, and it works. So let's keep this thing going, because you can't find this anywhere else. No other store sells this, all right? No, that's, that's what it. I'm talking about that's right there. That's it, dude. Okay? No one, that's I mean, it. We, we don't do much boxing talk right now, because boxing's kind of on a weird moment. But we, no one covers combat sports like we do. No one is willing to tell jokes that we tell. And no one's really willing to tell, you know, honestly, what's happening in the sport. You may not like all of our opinions, but we don't 
shy away from what we think is the truth because we think it's unpopular. We just say what we feel, and we hope you come along for the ride. And Combat Sports needs more of that. So thank you to, uh, obviously, all the people that we mentioned. But thanks to the audience for being along for the ride. And, of course, you can get other people to join us if you want to follow us on social media. If you could put up the graphic, Jay, that'd be great. Obviously, BC and I are on Twitter, and we are on Instagram. And then the show itself is on Instagram and YouTube. Give us a follow. Check us out. Share the word. Uh, the, the, there's no marketing in the world like word of mouth, man. doesn't exist. So Yeah, it's the best know. way to, to uh, share STDs as well. Um, I wanted to say, Luke, that uh, shout out to all of our audio-only people that only check out the podcast and their drives home. We respect you. And, Luke, I rarely agree with your politics and stern takes, but I respect the foundation of honesty that you bring to your career and by proxy this show. It's a big part about why we are different because you stand up for what you believe in and I respect that. So uh, uh, this army's growing. We got people all over the world and it's only going to get better from here. I am fired up. I'm excited. You've got another job to get to, Luke. So why don't you do... Well, you know, that's it. That's, that's, you know. All right. If you want... Uh if you want more, if you want more, go to Showtime.com. You can get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can uh, bounce. There you go. There you go, Showtime.com. Thanks to everyone who's been here for the year, except BC, who just bounced. My name is Luke Thomas for Brian Campbell. Until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.